It's a great pleasure for me to be here because my grandchildren are here, and so it makes it extra sweet uh, to be here. Oh, I forgot. My daughter's here, too, by the way. But you know, I, I don't mean to do that. You know that, don't you? You're my firstborn. I love you. And I love the fact that you've given me three grandchildren. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I do that every time, too. The kids come in, they say hello to me, and I forget to say hello to my daughter. So. Anyway, so um, good morning. It's good to be with you. We're going to be in Ephesians because that's what we're doing at Wellspring. And so that's what's on my mind. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. So go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. And I know James prayed, but I'm going to pray again. Our Heavenly Father, we would ask this morning for your blessing upon the reading of your word. I recognize, uh, Lord, that I am a feeble voice, and I recognize that uh, I, am, uh, I am without the, the ability to know the needs of the folks that are here this morning, that every heart has its own needs, it has its own hurts. It needs its own encouragements. I'm so grateful that your Holy Spirit is able to do that through the Word of God. It's a mighty thing, the Word of God. And I'm grateful to be here this morning and to read it. But Lord, I recognize again that uh, without your help, we can do nothing. And so we seek your help this morning on the understanding of the Word of God. May it be an encouragement to the folks that are here. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're, we're in Ephesians, and we've come through actually the first chapter. In fact, the brother's finishing the last two verses this morning. Uh, but I have this section on prayer when Paul begins to pray for the uh, folks at Ephesians. But before we get into verse 15, we really need to kind of summarize what happens in the first 14 verses, because those first 14 verses are rich. They're really rich. In fact, it starts off with verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Everything you need to live your life for the Lord, you have on the day you place your faith in Christ. You realize that? You were born wealthy. When you came to know the Lord Jesus, you were born wealthy. Do you know that? The problem is, I think for most Christians, is they don't understand that. And they don't take advantage of the things that they have in the Lord. And because of that, Satan gets a hold of them or the world pounds on them to a point where they are defeated. But you can't allow yourself to be defeated. Come back in and read these verses. 
He has chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's what he has decided for you. That's what he has for you. That's what he's given to you, that you are holy and you're without blame. Blameless is another way to say that. I like that word, blameless. You know, I have a brother I grew up with, and him and I, well, he was more mischievous than I was. How's that? He can't defend himself. But things would break around the house sometimes. And it was always one of our faults, normally. But I always liked it when I wasn't the one to blame. I could point the finger and say it was his fault. He broke it, right? Blameless. You know what that means when you're blameless before the Lord? That means Satan's got nothing on you. (laughs) Satan's got nothing on you. He cannot go before the Lord and accuse you of anything because the Lord God has declared you blameless. Amen? Verse 6, well, verse 5, being having predestined us to adoption as sons of Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Accepted in the beloved. Everybody wants to be accepted, right? You go into a new job, you're looking for acceptance in that job. You go into a new neighborhood, a new fellowship, You're looking to find acceptance from people. The Heavenly Father has accepted you and the Beloved. Well, that word is only used twice. The Greek word there is only used twice in all the New Testament. Here and in Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel comes before Mary and says, Greetings, highly favored one. That's the same word. Do you realize that you are highly favored in the sight of God? Do you understand that? The word donates the fact that God has poured upon you grace in abundance. You're highly favored. You have more grace than you could ever think of. You'll never run out of it. Never. Isn't that amazing? I can't go through the rest of the verses, but those are some of the things that are there. I want to go to one more verse, though, down in verse 13. In him you have also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You're sealed or the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Now, I want to focus on those that, that phrase, purchased possession, because that's what we are. There are some different thoughts on what this is referring to. Some believe that it refers to creation waiting for its final redemption. Some believe it's the church 
which is waiting to be pulled out of the world at the rapture. Some believe it is, that it is our bodies which will be changed into heavenly bodies. Regardless, the truth is the same. We are a purchased possession. To be considered, think about the whole idea of being purchased. The whole idea of being purchased implies cost, doesn't it? But there is a cost for the Heavenly Father to buy you, to purchase you. We know what that is, right? He sent His Son to die on the cross. The blood of the Lord Jesus purchased us. God was willing to pay that price. You know, um, Patty and I just bought a camper. And uh, so that means I won't be sleeping on the ground during father-daughter weekend this year. So. But when we, we, we had a price in mind that we wanted to pay for a camper, and we looked and looked and looked until we found something that was in the range. Because you could always go there and negotiate price, right? And so we had a number, and we went there. We saw the camper. His number was higher than my number. We kind of dickered back and forth, and we come up with a number that we were both happy with, right? And then I gave him the money. I purchased it. It's mine. Then I hooked it up to my truck, and I took it home. God has pulled you off the shelf and brought you home. Amen? You got to remember that. You got to remember that in your Christian life every single day. You got to remember that. We are rich. We have been born wealthy. We need to take advantage of those blessings that we have. The story goes, William Randolph Hearst, you know him. He's uh, a very rich newspaper man at one time. And he liked to invest in art treasures that he would find out about. And what he would do is he would send agents around the world when he decided there was something that he wanted to go and negotiate a price and bring that treasure back to him. Well, one time, William Randolph Hearst was reading this article in a magazine, and he decided that there was a, a, a painting that he really wanted. And so he sent his man over to Europe or wherever it was he had to go to buy his painting, and the guy searched for a couple of months, and then he came back. And I found your painting, Mr. Hurst. Great, great. Where is it? It's in your warehouse. He had it all along. It was his. Folks, that's what it is if we don't take advantage of what the Heavenly Father has given to us in Christ Jesus. We have things that belong to us that we don't enjoy. The next section is where Paul begins to pray for the folks at Ephesus. And his prayer is very telling, some of the things that he prays about. So let's read from verse 15. Uh, we'll go all the way down to the end of the chapter. I don't know if I'll make it there, but we'll go to the end. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, 
that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one that is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So, Paul begins to pray. Paul begins to pray. He says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. Therefore, in other words, Paul is saying that everything that I have just described to you is connected to this prayer, right? I know of your faith in Jesus, he says. I know about your faith in the Lord Jesus. Not only I, I know of your faith because I've heard about it, but I've also heard about your love for all the saints. And really, that's what it's all about, isn't it? To come to the Lord Jesus is to love his people. To love the Lord is to love his people. And a sign of a Christian is one who's willing to extend that hand of fellowship to another fellow believer. Now, there are Christians that I don't always agree with. I had somebody who worked for me many years ago. She was a lovely lady. We would get into some doctoral discussions she had a different view on some things and how the church should function than I did. But there is one thing that she and I did not disagree on, and that was the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the only way into heaven is through the blood of the Lord Jesus. And her and I had some of the most wonderful conversations when we talked about the cross and we talked about the sacrifice. Wonderful conversation. Paul recognizes the love these people Paul recognizes the faith these folks have in the Lord Jesus because of their love for all saints. And then he says that he does not cease to pray for them or to give thanks for them. He gives thanks and prays for them continually and constantly. Giving thanks should be always part of what our prayer life is. It should always be part of what we pray for, giving thanks. 2 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It doesn't say give thanks when things are going well. It doesn't say that. It says give thanks in everything. Because you always find something to give thanks for. And I know during some of the darkest days of my life, when I have turned my prayer life to thanksgiving, it has lifted me up. It has encouraged me. So what is the first thing on, on his mind for these saints? Given what he has just written in these first 14 verses, what is the first thing that he prays for besides giving thanks for their faith? Well, in verse 17, it says, The Lord God of our, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you 
the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, which is Jesus Christ. The first thing that he asked for, for these folks at Ephesus, is that they have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And one of the things that you're going to notice about this prayer, and, and the other thing I want to mention just very quickly before I go any further, is this is a companion section in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 down to about 18 or 17, something like that. Very similar prayer that he has for the Colossians. You'll notice both in this prayer and that, that he's not praying for their physical needs. He's praying for their spiritual needs. How often do we pray for each other's spiritual needs? Now, I recognize that there are a lot of physical needs. If you come to Wellspring, where the average age is about 65, (laughs) there are a lot of health concerns. And so there is a lot of prayer over physical things. There's nothing wrong with that. But folks, let us not neglect the spiritual things. Let us not neglect praying for our spiritual lives, for one another's spiritual lives. And that's what Paul is doing here. He prays that they would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that the things of Christ will be revealed to them more and more as they grow, and that they'll be able to use that with spiritual wisdom. He wants us to grow not only in wisdom and in revelation, but he wants us to know the Lord Jesus Christ even more in the knowledge of him. The greatest pursuit that any believer has is to endeavor to take the time to know the Lord Jesus Christ and get to know him more and more with ever-increasing intimacy. Folks, we're not about being religious, are we? We're not. Christianity is that relationship we have with the great creator God through his son, the Lord Jesus. That's what Christianity is. We're not about checking the boxes. We're not about making sure. I mean, I I want you to be here. I want you to be in fellowship. I want all those things for you. But let it not take away from the relationship that you have with the Lord. How how embarrassing. (laughs) Just kidding, brother. (laughs) At least it wasn't my phone that's going off. And the thing about the Lord Jesus and a relationship with him is that you don't have to chase after him, do you? You don't have to chase after him. I think James mentioned it in his prayer. Usually he's right there beside us. He's waiting. He's willing. He wants to have that relationship with him. If you don't have a relationship with him, if you feel far away from him, it's because you moved. You moved. He wants to get to know you. No one can know the things of God except for folks that have been given the Spirit of God. Did you know that? The world can't know who God is. 
Only those of us who have the Spirit of God knows the mind of God. 2 Corinthians 2.16 says that we have the mind of Christ. It means that we've been given the ability to understand spiritual truths and spiritual things. That is a great gift. But once you have the Spirit within you, the question is, what do you do with it? And that's what's in mind here. In in Colossians 1.9, Paul prays for them that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. This is just not about an exercise in education. This is not about getting a college degree. This is about getting to know Him and the higher calling that we have in Christ Jesus. Paul is asking that the imparting knowledge, the revelation, be done with wisdom. The ability to use knowledge properly in our lives. That's what wisdom is. The ability to use that knowledge properly in our lives. It's more than knowing him. It's experiencing him in our lives. Then we get to verse 18 that they will be able to have spiritual eyesight, he basically says, that their hearts would be enlightened to have an understanding of what is the hope of their calling. To understand that, our calling is an eternal life. Our calling is a calling from a merciful, loving Father who sees us blameless, who sees us as highly favored, who has, has made us his purchased possession. It is a high calling. Do you see yourself as blameless? Because if you do, you should live as you're blameless. Do you see yourself as highly favored? If you do, then live your life as highly favored. That's all I'm saying. That's all he's saying. Do you believe your purchased possession? Then live your life as a child of God. Don't let the world convince you of anything different. I know I fall down, and you know what? I love 1 John 1.9. 1 John 1.9, man, I just get up off my knees. I confess my sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us my sin and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. The devil can't hold me down. He can't hold me down. But verse 18 says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, that you understand who you are in Christ. What is the hope of his calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Now, if you're not careful, you're going to miss what this verse says. This verse is not speaking of our inheritance. This verse speaks of his inheritance. Did you catch that? It's his inheritance. The truth of the matter is, is that God sees us as his great treasure. And we are his inheritance. And we bring glory to him.
His grace, His mercy, His love, His redemptive work, that is what has brought us into His, his possession. That's what brought us to Him. And it, that work is what brings God glory. And the fact that we are the result of that, despite of all the things that I am in my life, despite of all the things that I have done in my life, God, through his mercy and redemptive work through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, has brought me into his presence and said, you're blameless, you're highly favored, and I have bought you with the blood of my son. Oh, man. Praise the Lord. And that brings God glory. Do you know that? That's what brings his glory. It's because of his work and what he has done to bring you into his presence. That's his glory. I had a grandfather who, his, his father died and uh, he had to quit school. He was in sixth grade and he, after sixth grade, he quit school and um, he grew up in Toledo, Ohio. He went to work on the docks loading ships at 12 years of age. The boats and ships would come in off Lake Erie under Maumee River, and, and that's what he did. Sometime years later, he, he married my grandmother. My grandmother quit school after ninth grade, and she was a seamstress in a factory. During uh, the Great Depression, they started their own business together. My grandfather built that into a very prosperous business. A man who never got out of sixth grade, who, never, who, just, who only finished sixth grade and a woman who only finished ninth grade. Retired when he was 55 years old, and he and my grandmother traveled around the world. Now, what does that make you think of my grandfather? You don't know him, but you're thinking, man, that guy was a hard worker. That guy was diligent. That guy was smart. That's his glory. It's the same thing. What the Heavenly Father does with his mercy, with his love, with his forgiveness, with his son at the cross at Calvary. Who could ever think of something like that except the mind of God? And that's his glory. And we, the redemptive, the redeemed vessel, bring him glory, and he considers us to be his great treasure. That's what that verse says. We are his great treasure. Man. Paul's prayer here is that these folks would grasp all that they have in Christ, the vastness of the riches that they have in him. But Paul's prayer now moves from praying for spiritual wisdom and revelation and enlightenment to praying for the saints to tap into the power that we have in Christ. He explains this power in verse 19, and he uses some very descriptive words. He says, exceeding greatness. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Exceeding greatness. The Greek word there for exceeding means to throw something beyond the mark exceedingly great. It goes beyond. 
of his power. The Greek word here is the same word that we get for dynamite. In other words, it is a power that is mighty. It's a miracle. It's a mighty work. It's unusual power. It's supernatural power. And it's directed towards us. According to the working of his mighty power, Paul uses a different Greek word when he talks about power. But this power he's talking about is a power that operates with great efficiency and great effectiveness. The power to be able to endure hard times. So, as we put that verse together, what is he saying? He is saying that he wants you to understand, he wants them to understand the power of our Father, the exceeding greatness of that power, which is directed towards us, and that that is the same power that allows us with great efficiency and effectiveness to be able to do things for him, to live in our Christian walk, to live for God. We have that ability. And he's praying that they understand that. But it's more than just that. Look what it says in verse 20. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. (laughs) I hope you caught that. I hope you saw that. I've often said that there is no real power except for power over death. That's the only real power, is it? And what, what, what Paul writes here is that the same power that God used to bring Jesus out of the grave is the same power you have available to you. Can you believe that? Isn't that awesome? In Philippians chapter 3, Paul prays for himself. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. When we get to verse 21... Paul describes the results of this great power that we have available to us. He says far above that he far above all principality. So this power has taken the Lord Jesus, raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, right? And then this same power has placed him far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. You know what that means? Total victory. That's what that means. Total and complete victory is yours. Amen? Total and complete victory. Because, (laughs) I was going to say this in Ephesians chapter 2 here, that he has blessed us, that he has, in fact, let me read that verse. He has raised us up together, verse 6 of chapter 2, he has raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He's taken us and he's put us 
right there. The right hand of God with his son. J.B. Phillips, in his translation of verse 21, it says this, gave him the place of highest honor in heaven, a place that is infinitely superior to any command, authority, power, or control, and which carries with it a name far beyond any name that could ever be used in this world or the world to come. That pretty much says it all, doesn't it? Paul's prayer is that the saints are able to tap, would be able to tap into that same power. There have been many times in my life when I could honestly say that in the moment of my struggle, I could not see my way through. But when I got on the other side, I could look back and I could say, that was the Lord. And I've had things work out in ways that I never dreamt and never even prayed about, never prayed for. I prayed for a lot of other stuff to happen. Lord, this is the way I think you should fix this, right? But the Lord does it a different way, and it turns out to be for far better than I could ever think of and for his glory, right? And then Paul, as he always does, could never pray without worship. And that's what he does in those first, those last two verses. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The Lord Jesus Christ is the head of the church. The Lord Jesus Christ fills all in all. We are the body. We're connected to the head. We have a great power. And he's given us great riches. And we have the ability to live victorious lives. Don't let the world get you down. And don't let Satan defeat you. Stay strong. Come back and remember that you are blameless, holy, highly favored, his purchased possession. Amen? Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, right now I'm on cloud nine. I don't know where my brothers and sisters are, but I'm on cloud nine. And remembering once again, all that I have in you, I am just awed and I'm humbled. I'm amazed. I'm grateful. And I pray Lord, my brothers and sisters here to Branford Fellowship are able to tap in to the great spiritual wisdom that is theirs in Christ Jesus, that you will reveal to them on a regular basis your presence in their lives, that they may know more and more of you, and that they may understand and experience the great power of the resurrection, which we all have part of through Christ Jesus, our Lord. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for making us wealthy in your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen.